Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 12 of the Modern Educator Podcast. I am joined by my friend, Angie Barton. Uh, so, Angie, you want to introduce yourself? Um, hi, I'm Angie. I'm a ninth grade social studies teacher, mostly human geography, AP, and I live in uh, Southern California. Uh, okay, so uh, why don't you go ahead and give us I don't know, your background as an educator, where do you go to school, how long have you taught, all the subjects you've taught, all that stuff. Oh, goodness. Okay. Uh, I got my undergraduate degree in 2008 from Marquette University in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Um, and I graduated in 2008, so I don't know if you remember the economy back then, and uh, they were not hiring history teachers. So I bounced around for a while, and then I went back to grad school in 2013 to get my special ed credentials. And that was a great decision, got my foot in the door. So I'm actually uh, a special ed RST resource teacher. So I do a lot of uh, push in for math and English and support in that essence. But I also teach AP human geography at my school. And just for fun, I also have an administration credential because, you know, why not? Wow, <laughs> Man, you're, you're significantly more educated than I am, okay. Um, yeah. All right. And so uh, I hope you can really expand on this question. What is your educational philosophy? What do you feel is the purpose of the teacher, the purpose of high school, the purpose of education? Oh, wow. Uh, everything. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like education is the foundation of life. Uh, what, whether it's formal education or informal education, you know, that's how we move forward as human beings and uh, Education is something that doesn't just stop because we're 18. It's a lifelong process that makes us better people. Uh, my philosophy as a teacher is is more of a facilitator to get you thinking and discussing and questioning. Um, yes, yeah, sometimes I bore you with PowerPoints, but that's not really my job. I share information with you, but I hope that information makes you think. And that's what I want to do. And also with, uh, you know, even with RSP, when I co-teach, my job is to just provide support and to get you um, to get you where you need to be as much as I possibly can. So my job is really just more supportive than anything else. Hmm. Okay, supportive cheerleader stuff. Awesome. Um, okay, so what are some of your greatest successes in the classroom? Is there any? Have you made any great strides with particular kids or? I mean, every year you bond with certain kids. Uh, I don't know if I've made any particular strides. Uh, I think I get along well with students, and I think they connect with me. So I think that's allowed them to open up and ask more questions than they would in other classrooms. I think having me, especially when I'm co-teaching, having a second teacher in the room just helps. I definitely think that more kids have passed because there's two teachers in the room supporting their learning than in, uh, than in the past. And... Um, yeah, I don't know if I've had any great successes. I think going to work every day and just seeing the kids and being with them is a great success. So I don't know. <laughs> and, you know, I've actually never had the co-teacher. Uh, maybe I have had it a couple times when I was like a substitute. But mm -hmm. would you be a proponent of having co-teachers in all classrooms? No. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, for, for many reasons. Um, one, it doesn't work in every class. So in English, it hasn't really, I haven't really found my groove with in English because a lot of it is the teacher speaking. And I'm like, what am I supposed to do here? And I also don't really love English. So I'm not like trying to jump in and teach a lesson at any point in time. 
Um, but when we write essays, I'm more supportive. I definitely think having two people in a math class or a science class or like a, any class where there's a lot of steps and processing, when the kids are actually working and doing things, having two teachers is, is really helpful. But also, it needs to be two teachers who get along. It's like a marriage. Yes. When it works, it works really well and it's great for the kids. But when it's, it doesn't work and your personalities don't mesh, it, it's almost useless. And, you know, it's a struggle with administration because you're like, this isn't working with this person. And they're like, oh, well. And it's like, well, then nothing's getting done. So let's, they, if they could be better about scheduling with people that you work well with instead of just putting you with anybody, that would, that would be, that'd be great. Yeah, I could, I could definitely envision that. Um, all right. So what are some of your, can you think of one lesson you did where you just knocked it out of the ballpark where you were just super teacher? Uh, um, wow. I'll tell you, with me, it's my lesson on the French Revolution in world history. It is, it is my crowning jewel of me presenting the information in an engaging way and kids getting super into it. Um, well, one year I showed this video called White People from MTV. And it was kind of about stereotypes and things like that about race. And um, by the way, I stole this lesson from another teacher. I'm not that creative. Oh. <laughs> um, and so, and then afterwards, I, I put up like uh, white, black, Latino, and Asian. And I let them write every single stereotype that they can think of on this piece of paper. And then um, we ripped, and then after they were done everything, we discussed it and we laughed and joked about it. And then we ripped it up as like a symbolism of like, this is a stereotype and this is not how we're supposed to view people. And then it kind of led into a discussion about race and um, deeper levels. So that was great. But then I tried it again the next year and it, it wasn't as powerful, maybe because I had hyped it up too much or I don't know. So I, I think every year, different lessons hit different classes in ways that I hadn't thought like, oh, I'm so excited about this lesson and then doesn't hit. And then I try something random and they're like, oh my God, this was so much fun and I really learned and so, yeah. Yeah. And I'm, and I, I recall the first year I was here in Vegas and I did my lesson about the transatlantic slave trade, like kids were really emotionally affected. OK, kids of all races. And then a couple of years later, I did that same lesson and I like mentally prep myself to like, OK, this is going to be a powerful, impactful lesson. And, you know, there, there are definitely a lot of African-American kids in the class, too. So I was like, you know, I've got to I've got to be 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 accommodating all this but the kids the kids didn't have an emotional reaction at all that year it was it yeah. was strange it's you know huh you, you don't you don't know what to expect exactly. um uh okay so let's let's flip it then what was have you ever had a failed lesson a failure oh, yeah. in the classroom oh, okay all so, the time <laughs> oh no oh no oh, yeah, every failure is a learning experience right so it's fine um can't think of anything particularly just sometimes it's like trying to listen you're really excited about it and it doesn't hit or if you're not organized enough but honestly I think anytime I'm just sitting there reading off a powerpoint it's kind of a failed lesson <laughs> um they can do that themselves like my job is to bring it to life and make it more um lively and interesting for them but sometimes some material like townships and beats and long ranges are just so boring I don't know how to make it exciting so you yeah, know there's that 
Well, and I, I recall my first year with Human Geo, I, I didn't know anything about Human Geo, so I was learning it as I was teaching it. And, you know, like, uh, I know Township and Range and Long Lots is something you just referenced. But, like, I think with me it was a lot of the economic stuff in yeah. Human Geo. <laughs> and I, I personally wasn't super confident with it, but I found other teachers' PowerPoints, and I went through those other PowerPoints and... I'm I, I'm the kind of guy who, when I'm up giving a lesson, I, I sort of try to act it out and I I present mm -hmm. myself as an expert, but I was not an expert at that. Right. Stuff. And the <laughs> and kids saw through it. So they're so funny though. They're like, Miss, you didn't make this PowerPoint, did you? And I'm like, I did not. <laughs> and they're like, we can tell because like sometimes I'm surprised by the slide that comes after it, and I'm like, listen. You worked smarter, not harder. This was already made. Why would I redo it? Yeah. <laughs> and they were like, after that, they're like, okay, they they bought into like, okay, she doesn't make the powerpoints, but we're okay with that. <laughs> so. Well, and I I remember I gave a, a caveat before the lesson started. I like called out three of my kids that always asked questions, and I was like, you guys, I'm not gonna have answers to those questions today. You've just you've just gotta let this one go. Right? Oh, yeah. Man. Yeah, that was that was always a stretch. Always a stretch. Uh, okay, do you have any unique classroom strategies? Is there anything that you do that you think maybe not a lot of teachers do? Um, I don't know. I try to make every day different. So I, I'm not a like, okay, Monday we do this, Tuesday we do this, Wednesday we do this. Um, I like to keep them on their toes about what we're gonna be doing. Also keeps me on my toes. Uh, <laughs> distance learning is going to force me to be a little bit more organized than I normally am. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I try, like I said, I try to stay away from like lectures. I try to, if, even if we're doing um, book work, um, try to go over it with them. I, I don't know if I, I don't know what makes me unique. I guess just me. I, I think the subject <laughs> itself. I think human geography itself just lends itself for so much interesting material, or at least I find it interesting. So I come into class every day like a super nerd and it's like, guys, I love this topic. Let's talk about it and let's get interested in it. So I try to sell them on it, I guess. I, I don't know. Even, even if they're not sold, I, I even if I'm not sold, I pretend that I am. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I know with me, I do board game activities in the classroom. You know, it's we're not playing Monopoly. It's I take Monopoly, I change the board, I change the rules, I change stuff. And like, I've, I've got this game about the Silk Road that I think is just mm. excellent. So yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm the gamer teacher. That's, that's how I sell myself to the kids. <laughs> Gaming, interactive lessons, just anything that's different than what they normally see, I'm, I'm a big fan of. Yep. Uh, okay, what advice would you give to a new educator entering this profession? Um, you got, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm bad about taking advice, but I'm really bad about giving it. Um, <laughs> be yourself, only take what you, what, um, what's authentic to you. So only take the advice that feels authentic to you. Cause so many times people are like, oh, well I do this in my class. And I'm like, yes, I'm also not a 50 year old military man. And that's just not going to yeah. work for me and my personality. Um, you know, and just breathe. And, and, and like I said, work smarter, not harder. And 
calm down, relax. It, it's not like you're going to make mistakes and that's okay. Don't we, we tell that to kids. We should be allowed to do that ourselves, right? Um, mm-hmm. Stop trying to be perfect and just try to, you know, just, you know, go with the flow, I guess. Yeah, because I'm confident that other teachers can't do the board game stuff like I can do. Um, right. And, like, I, I've got this buddy who makes everything about sports somehow, but he's an excellent teacher. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Yeah. So everyone can bring their own spin on a classroom and it's it's their. Yeah. I, I think it, in your personality. Yeah. Unique personalities with your subject. You know, um, I'm a different math teacher than I am a social studies teacher and a different English teacher than I am, you know, other things. And but, uh, you know, just whatever works for you works for you. And so it's everyone wants to give you advice on what to do and how to run your classroom. And it's like, well, you gotta, you gotta know what works for you and who you are. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I think it should always just come back to are the kids learning stuff? Yeah, exactly. Is, is a connection being made? And if that's the case, high fives all around. Uh, Okay. So what educational concepts are you a champion on or do you disagree with? I'm talking about like, Vygotskyan theory, Pavlov's theories, direct instruction, group work, flipped classroom. What is your, what is your thoughts all on all, all, all <laughs> of it's good? <laughs> no, I mean, like, I, I think that also goes back to your personality type. Um, okay. I think sometimes you need direct instruction. You know, everyone wants to say math is discovery learning and they'll figure it out. And I'm like, no, I think they need someone to explain it to them, not for an hour, to give them a quick 15-minute yeah. lesson on how to do it and then give them practice. I think to make them struggle through it is not always the best method. It wasn't for me as a child. Um, I think group work is beneficial, but sometimes it's not. It depends on how you structure it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, collaborative teaching, they're, they're just all, I, I think it's your subject matter and I think it's you as a teacher and I think you have to look at, again, what works best for you. Um, do you, should you be doing tra- direct instruction bell to bell? Absolutely not. Um, should you be doing only group work? Absolutely not. I think you, that's why I say when my classroom doesn't look the same every day, because whether I'm doing direct instruction one day or whether I'm doing group work the next day, or I'm doing an interactive PowerPoint or I'm doing like an interactive like worksheet, because different lessons call for different types of activities, I think. Yeah. Uh, okay, cool. So let's now talk about the current state of our educational world. Uh, I know that uh, Los Angeles schools are going all online next year. What are your thoughts and feelings about that? I think it's the safest choice. It's not my favorite choice. Um, and yeah, <laughs> I, I you know, I I just hope kids actually buy into it and they come to class and they really participate because this is their education. And it's hard enough to get them engaged when you're in person. So doing it online is going to be a struggle. So I need to kind of amp up my game a little bit more. And like I said, it's going to force me to be more organized than I have been in the past, which is good because even when we're in class, I could use that same material. Um, but, you know, what sucks. there's there's no winning either you go to school and you potentially get everybody sick or you stay at home and you potentially don't learn so um 
that if everyone's a year behind, then every, you know, <laughs> then I guess we're all on the same page. Oh. And um, yeah, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> um, right. I think now that we know we're starting off the year this way, instead of like in March, it was a crisis. We were all like kind of scrambling, and now we have time to prepare. Um, you know, we'll see how it goes. And, yeah, now we're we're still scrambling here in Nevada. I think uh, I read something that like our superintendent is possibly going to get fired for not having a plan yet. So there's it's so difficult. Uh, yeah, we I, I I just wish I had a, a a solid idea like you do of what next year looks like. And and uh, do you have any specific details other than just everything's online? Like, are, are you gonna? Yeah. Our union is still negotiating with the district about what that's going to look like. So like how many hours we have to work, how many days, whether we have to do live sessions or not, um, the whole gamut of things. The governor did say we have to do a full school year. So uh, mm -hmm. we were planning on doing Monday through Thursday with a break on Friday for the kids and like us still having to work. But now we'll have to go Monday through Friday, um, mm. which is fine. And what that's going to look like if it has to be live instruction every day what does that look like for students i i, I don't know social negotiating but i, I just heard a, another school district is doing online learning but they're only doing two classes for six weeks at a time oh. yeah so the kids can focus on those two classes so what you take it like five hours a day or something uh something like that like you'll probably oh have goodness. live instruction for an hour and then you'll have like two hours of homework but then you're only focused on two classes instead of six or seven depending on your school and i was like oh that's an interesting idea yeah yeah that's i was about to say that same thing too because math needs kind of the long-term practice and you yeah. you can't just okay now you understand graphs we're moving on like you've got to right. got to build it out and I know AP teachers would not like that at all. <laughs> oh my gosh, my kid, if, if I have them in that first quarter, then they would forget everything for the AP test. Mm -hmm. um, man, huh, that, but that's an interesting concept because right now we're talking about splitting the school year in half where kids take four classes the first half of the year and then four different classes the second half of the year. Mm -hmm. uh, I I also wouldn't prefer that for AP, but what can you do? Exactly. And then there's the other things like students don't all have devices at home or internet that that works. And so if you have three or four kids and they're all trying to be on, I don't know what that was. I think my thing is fine. Um, if they, they're not all, if you have three or four kids at home and they're on the same crappy internet or you're sharing one device between four students, but you have to do live sessions every day. And I know we have to take attendance, but what are we requiring for attendance? It's 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 like we're starting over completely, you know. And uh, it'll be interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Um. And and are you going to do the flipped classroom model? That's what I intend to do for this online environment. Um. I guess, isn't it like naturally flipped? Um, I think what I'm going to do is have daily assignments. And so they have to do the reading or watch the video themselves. And then when we do have class, yeah, have a discussion. So I guess it'll be kind yeah. of flipped. Yeah, I'm, right now I'm going through the process of filming all the world history videos I can. <laughs> uh, but but I, I don't know exactly what the next school year looks like. I mean, it's very possible that 
somehow the, the state of Nevada is like, nope, everything's in person. So all these videos will have been a waste of my time. So I really wish they could just. No, you can still have them. You can still make some homework and then, you know, have the discussion about it at home in class. Yeah, or, or just play more games in class. You know, I could do that yeah, too. Yeah, there you go. Not? Live it mm -hmm. up. Um, okay, and then I know, yeah, and you mentioned this a little bit with the union stuff, but some of the, the deeper questions I have with this upcoming pandemic are, like, if a teacher gets sick from this pandemic, are they going to be using their sick days? And, like, if a kid gets sick, do we still hold them accountable? Mm -hmm. do, yeah. Do you uh -huh. have any I don't thoughts know about that? No one does. Oh God. I don't think. Well, I don't think it's fair. You know, when it's a global pandemic, and then if they made us go to work, they couldn't take our sick days. Uh, if I think we're working, I don't know. I don't know. Like, and I, I don't. Kids should not be penalized. We're pushing the the governor not to make attendance part. Oh wait, attendance was not part of our funding this year. Oh. Based off of last year's attendance before March which normally it's our, our attendance like every so often, like that's how we get yeah. funding. And this year it, it's just based off of last year's attendance and that's how it is, which is, which is nice for school budgets. And also like, you know, if a kid, if a kid has a fever and needs to stay home, they should stay home. Like we don't want to make sure that they're risking others. So. Yeah. And I know that once schools closed in March, it was sort of like the only thing they really cared about here in Nevada was keep taking attendance, keep, mm -hmm meeting your kids, confirming your kids are engaged. Um, oh, we still and, have and, to do that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, well, and, it, and now it's more responsibility of calling home than ever before, if the student uh, isn't showing up to your Zoom session. And it's like, I don't know about your school, but for my school, a, a large part of our uh, population speaks Spanish. And so I'm like, I, I, I can't call home. <laughs> I mean, I can, but I, I've tried. They're like, oh, well, there's always someone who speaks English in the house. And I, I've made that attempt and it did not work well. <laughs> so, yeah. and it's like, why is all the responsibility on us to get them to attend? Where are their parents? Where is their self-motivation? Um, I, I don't know. Yeah, and, and I, I already was asked this question. I'm curious if you have any answer to it. How, what, what can we do to motivate kids to participate and show up in an online environment? I mean, yeah, I think calling home is helpful. Um, okay. I think making, when they do show up to your session, making them as engaging and lively as possible um, so that they want to come back. Uh, yeah. Right now I'm teaching summer school to middle schoolers and I only have like eight kids, but those eight kids have been consistent about showing up and they're yeah. really great and they're learning a lot. And I think they're like coming back because they're like, oh, I'm actually learning something. and she's kind of kooky and whatever. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe they're bored. I don't know. Um, and I was like, oh, I really wish I got to meet these kids in person because we would have so much more fun. But that's, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah, you know, they're kooky and they're fun and they're adorable. And uh, I don't know, just making it as much, make it an engaging. Um, I, I'm pretty positive now we can finally fail them again. So right? That's, yes. That's a that's really important aspect. Yeah, um, when they took that away from us, a lot of kids just went bye-bye. Yep. They can, they can make that argument here. whenever they want, but that, that motivation went away. So this year now, knowing that it counts, I think will help. Um, and I, I see both sides of the argument, like the disparity of like who has devices and internet and whether they can actually do it. Um, 
versus that I was like, okay, well then we'll, we'll, I'll need to work something out with that child <laughs> then. <laughs> like I'll print out some packets for them and send it home, mail them. I don't care, but they need to, pa they need to show me they can do the work. Yeah. And Sorry, that, that is what happened here in Nevada too. When <laughs> once the pandemic started, they were like, all kids get the grades they had in third quarter. So yep. fourth quarter just failed to matter anymore. And exactly. that, I, I, my AP kids were still with me because the AP test was coming. Mm -hmm. um, but all my other classes really checked out. And that's yeah. really unfortunate. Because, um, well, yeah. And I had, I had, you know, I had my kids all year. So come March, we had our, we knew we were leaving. And they're like, okay, well, let's do live classes. They suggested it. So I was like, okay. So we did live classes every day. And, you know, most of the kids, I would say a good 70%, which is pretty high for considering, um, showed up every day and did the work or at least showed up. And I don't know whether it was out there paying attention, but participated. But I, we had already established a rapport as student and teacher and as a class. So I don't know what that's going to, I don't know how to do the same thing in August. Um, well, especially when kids are afraid to speak or they don't want to turn on their videos. So that chat feature is really, really important. So monitoring that chat and hopefully getting them to say something. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, especially with my freshmen, like these are kids that's their first time in high school and now they're going to have it in an online environment. Like, Oh exactly. God. I know. And I feel for them. How, how could, how can we establish the procedures? How can we tell them what's going on? And like, actually I have some friends here in Vegas who are elementary teachers. One of whom is a kindergarten teacher. Like what, what is the first day of kindergarten look like in an online environment? Oh, poor kiddos. I know. Well, a lot of them were, in preschool or in like some sort of something. So they were doing some online learning with their class. So that's good. But yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's, it's, yeah, it's a challenge. And I think since we're all in it together, you know, yeah. no <laughs> one's, no one's held back. Yeah. And I, 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 I actually, like, go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, so I looked up the historical record of what happened in the 1918 pandemic, and they did close schools for two years. So kids just learned at home and read terrible books. <laughs> I don't yeah. know what else they did. Right. And I don't want to put all the onus on parents because I know they have jobs and can't monitor their kids' education 24-7, but... I think it, it really starts at home and their parents encouraging them to at least log on or checking now that we have online platforms, checking to make sure that they turned in their assignments. Um, you know, one parent was saying, I can't do this every day. I'm, I'm not asking you to do it every day, but once a week, check to see if they have any missing assignments, uh, check to see if they've attended class. Um, I, I'm happy to email with parents weekly or send out yeah. updates, you know, um, but it, it starts at home. Like if, if they don't think there's any consequence for not going to class, they're not, they probably won't go. Hmm. There's no encouragement from their parents or, you know, I don't yeah. know. Like we can do yeah. our part, but we can only do so much. I know. And heck, I, I wouldn't even be opposed to this. You know, I live pretty close to my high school and all the students who go to the school live in a, what, I don't know, three mile area. 
So if nothing else, I could just drive by kids' houses and honk the horn and say, get on your computer and drive home. Right? Because I really do believe that I would have got even better AP scores this year had the pandemic not happened and had I consistently worked with my kids all the way through. Because, well, with some exceptions, the kids who passed the AP test were the ones who came to my online lessons. They're the ones who were consistently with me the whole year. Um, but the kids who never showed up to my online lessons, well, they all failed practically. So mm-hmm. it's there definitely is a, a correlation in the graph of passing AP tests and spending time with your AP teacher. Who would have thought? 100%. Yeah, now that you say that, I think all of the kids who did pass did come to class on a fairly regular basis. Um, so wait, there's that, and then, oh, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, my thing died. Um, that's true. I think all the kids who came on a regular basis, not all the kids who came, but the ones who did pass came on a regular basis, and the ones who didn't pass, some didn't even show up, and, well, some are not surprises. <laughs> yeah, so I, I'll, I can agree with that, but... Yeah, no, and then, uh, I don't know, got, got anything else you want to say? Those are all my prepared questions. No, just good luck to everybody, and, you know, let's, um, we're kind of, you know, a collective group, and it's it's about helping each other, not tearing each other down. It's, it's not a competition of who does more live sessions or who's better at online learning. Uh, just like it's not a competition when we're in person. It's, it's just about, yeah. like you said, are they learning? Are they engaging? Um, that's, that's all that really matters. And so let's like help each other, share our resources, take on some of the burden. And, um, I, I really think our administrators are just as stressed as we are right oh, now. Oh yeah, no doubt. I a hundred percent agree. And, you know, some, some of them may not be as supportive as they should be, but I also think it's coming, you know, they're getting lots of things. They're getting parents and teachers and students and you know, administrators above them and governors and, you know, mayors telling them what to do. So um, we just all need to be, like I said, supportive and, you know, understanding and, you know, understanding of parents, understanding of students, accepting late work and just, you know, making that effort. Well, and and I want to have a a better idea. What do you envision your online discussion sections will look like? Because I did a couple where I intended them to be discussions. And for whatever reason, kids are just not as social. Well, obviously not whatever reason. Kids just aren't as sociable in these online Zoom or Google Meet rooms. Um, they're just, there's a whole lot more silence. Kids will turn the video portion of their screen off. Kids will get distracted. And I, I, can, I can hold their attention so much more if I'm physically in the room with them. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know, but I definitely making it part of their grade helps. Oh, you know, so okay. I need to participate like twice in a week to get, you know, your participation points. Although, you know, there's arguments that that shouldn't be a real grade, but, and then again, that chat feature is really important. So if you can, you're like me, you have two screens, you know, monitor the yeah. chat while you're doing it will be can be really helpful to you. Well, I'll, I'll and, tell you, teenage boys are going to put some just gross things in those chats, though. 
Yes. And that's why you make it like, okay, remember your name is attached to this. And like, yeah, you can't discipline them and give them detention. But like, okay, now you've lost your points for the week and you can't earn them back because mm-hmm. you've been in the, you know, you setting those norms and just continuing, wow. you know, to beat that to death. And um, so there's that. And then what else? Um, I don't know, just encouragement and just like, oh my God, thank you so much, Sarah for this response it was the best ever thank you i love it when sarah participates sarah's gonna get an a on the ap you know just you know positive reinforcement of those who do participate hopefully we'll get more kids to participate and i'm hoping that shy kids will participate more because there's a little bit more anonymity with it so especially with the chat feature is what i found kids some kids just don't like to vocalize things they have no problem texting things that's just teenagers in our world today. I feel like I'm the opposite. I generally don't like texting and I always prefer a direct interaction, so. Right. Well, and they can chat, they can send you what they think privately. So you don't have to say, oh, well, Sarah said this, but oh, that was a great comment. Let me read it to the class. They don't have to know that it was Sarah who necessarily said it. Um, Mm. So that helps too. It makes them feel more apt to like respond to you because they don't have to share it in front of the entire class. Um, yeah, I don't know. If you have any tips, let me know. <laughs> if something's working for you, let me know. Well, one one day before the AP test, I, I found this website that allows you to basically create the game Jeopardy. And I made it all AP Human Geography questions. And I said, okay, I want to play this game in Google Meets. How am I going to do it? So I obviously shared my screen. Uh, when all the kids showed up, I put them into groups, and then I said, okay, so we're going to have this rotating thing where the three kids in each group, or the, the first kid in each group is going to be, quote, on the buzzer. And at first, I was like, the kids will, you know, shout out when they want to answer the question. But then the audio got all jumbled, and you obviously can't tell who shouted first. So I said, use the chat feature, and the first person to to type the word buzz and hit and you know have it appear in the chat feature they're the ones who'll answer first so that actually worked really well oh nice yeah and and there were kids who were like laughing and having a good time and i was like oh look kids are enjoying learning even during the pandemic anything's possible so yeah so my plan for the first week is almost no academics it's just like let's just hang out and have a conversation and you know, yeah. what's your favorite sport and who are you? And this is me. And um, that's kind of my plan. Maybe a little bit of geography just cause I can't help it, but nothing like high stakes or anything like that. Well, and, and so much of what I think makes me an effective educator is building those relationships is sort of being a mentor to kids of getting to know the kids of, of having that, that positive vibe. And I, I just don't think that's really possible in an online setting. I don't think, I, I don't think you can can make a friend on a, a Google Cam. It's it's just not it doesn't vibe with me. Yeah, it's more challenging. Yeah, for sure. <sighs> and then and then also considering the fact that kids won't have any extracurriculars next year, because mm-hmm. like, I I know extracurriculars motivate a lot of kids too. Mm-hmm. Of you know. Do this, or you get cut from the football team. Well, that's all irrelevant now, maybe. So, yeah. we'll see. 
Yeah. Well, I wish. I hope you guys come up with a plan soon. <laughs> well, well, odds are we'll probably just copy California. That's what Nevada tends to do. Yeah. <laughs> just see yeah. what they're doing and follow suit. Um, yeah, but I, I think in-person instruction is is not in the cards. So, darn. Yeah. I know it's a bummer. Okay. Everything I love about my job is taken away from me. So, yeah, not everything, but 90% of it has been taken away from me. So I, I, I didn't sign up for this job to sit at a computer all day and teach to a screen, but well, I and, do what I have to do to get my kids to learn. And, and let, let me ask you this question. In some ways, won't the online environment be easier than the in-person environment? I, Because I, I honestly think, it, I think I will do less work as far as like time committed into being a teacher in the online environment because so much of my time is like counseling kids and working one-on-one -on -one with kids yeah um maybe i think it's going to be a lot of setting up like making yeah. your videos but once your videos are made you now have them for centuries well theory right um setting out those assignments, so those weekly or daily assignments that I have planned. But then again, I can use that in the future. So it'll be a lot of setting up more, like upfronting. Up and then the parts that, you know, like the, the kid asked, the student aspect, yeah, that kind of gets taken away. And so hopefully they'll still reach out and message you and, and try. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Okay. Anything else, Angie? No, that's it. Good luck with everything. All right. Cool. Well, thanks for being on the podcast. I appreciate it. Hope this. Uh, hope you had a good time. And uh, if anyone listening has any questions or ideas for future episodes, reach out at vegasmoderneducator at gmail.com. All right. Thanks so much. Thanks. Boom.